Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and we're talking about anatomy of revival, how revival starts and how it progresses. It can start with one person, but you know what? For it to truly take off as a revival, it needs a team, people working together, all the importance of teamwork. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. We've been studying for the past two lessons on the subject of anatomy of revival. It's taken from the end of Acts chapter 18. We're into chapter 19 today. We'll be moving into there and then eventually into chapter 20. And these two and a portion of a chapter really refer to the teaching on where does revival come from? How does it start? We've seen revivals in the word of God. We've seen revivals in our lifetime, but actually go back and study the roots of it is the most interesting thing. And you'll find common denominators. And the common denominator is there's a hunger in the heart of a person or maybe a group of people to want to know Jesus Christ. It could be in some foreign country. And uh, some kid is out there looking at the stars one night and says, you know, he knows about all the religion of his, of his uh, ancestors and, you know, all the rituals they have and stuff. But he looks up there and says, there's got to be something that created this. There's got to be. And all he has to do is just say this, I'd like to know about him. From that, God has to send somebody for the request of a person. And this is the point where a person becomes familiar with God or acquainted with God or the fact that they know the revelation there is a God simply by nature around us. This is told us in chapter one of the book of Romans toward the end of the chapter that even nature teaches us about the Godhead and about the different attributes of God. But anyway, then so somebody uh, somewhere else in the world uh, picks up in the spirit that they're supposed to go to this place and they go and uh, eventually get there and then find the person. On top of that, they eventually can end up leading an entire tribe, a city or village or whatever to the Lord. Then revival begins to spread. But it starts with a person, again, an, an unbeliever who says, I want to know about God. On the other side, it starts with believers with a turning to or a returning to the Holy Spirit. And uh, believers are, again, the ones who bring the message, but understand it's got to be supernatural. You don't pick these things up by reading a book and going to someplace. No, it's a heart cry from somebody and somebody else around the world hears it and understands this isn't something I read in the Bible. It's something the Holy Spirit told me. This is one of those things where Jesus said, you know, he'll lead you and guide you into all truth, but also show you things. Things are things outside the word of God. The Holy Spirit not only reveals scripture to you, but also reveals you things, events about to happen in your life and that someone is crying out around the world for revival. Someone else is crying out of the revival to simply know God. And you get to bring the message to that person. If the person receives it, it is born again, then again, revival can break out. But it starts again with hunger, hunger in the hearts of an unbeliever, but also hunger in the heart of a believer for returning to the Holy Spirit. We're seeing that in our country today today. And in, in our own nation, I mean, we've, we've turned from the Holy Spirit for the great revivals that we've had in the past of the early 1900s, Azusa, the 1940s, 50s revivals, the healing revivals. Uh, then after that, the charismatic movement that swept across our country. Then the word movement where churches that took these gifts of the spirit and all this, and then took and formed a church around these things and taught the word of God. We have the word movement. And again, these things begin to come and churches begin to grow, but there's been a, a turning away from, and the first thing churches turn away from is the Holy Spirit. They don't like the speaking in tongues. They don't like to have to, to, to interpret these things for their congregations. They don't want to offend anybody. 
And to be honest with you, I think the minister's more offended than the people. I mean, if the people come, they don't just leave the church because somebody spoke with tongues. They want to know about it. What was this thing? And for a pastor to be able to say, you can find these scriptures in the word of God is a very important thing to be told your congregation. Uh, in my own church, whenever we'd have a tongue, interpretation of tongue or a prophecy, and of course I limited it to three, two at the most three, from what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but let the people know they can be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I knew there had to be unbelievers present, so what I would do is I'd just have a, a screen above me, just a small screen with about three scriptures written on it. And what I said was, if you look at the screen, you don't understand, I don't have time to explain this every time it comes, but this is found in the Bible, in the New Testament, and it says it's supposed to happen in a church service. So you see people writing these scriptures down, go home, look at that, and they find out again, it's part of the word of God. So uh, in our own personal lives and returning to the Holy Spirit also includes the gifts of the Spirit and the revelation gifts to know what's going on uh, in people's lives to help us to understand. And again, to get the God, the number one thing is to get the gospel to somebody to get them saved. We find this at the city of Ephesus. In the city of Ephesus, Paul was led earlier in his life from the time that he came to uh, the city of Troas, before this time, he was told where not to go. He tried to go north into Bithynia. The Holy Spirit said no. He tried to go south into Asia. And this time, the Holy Spirit forbid him. It was strong this time. Do not go there. So he kept going in the only direction he had peace, and that was to go west until he finally came to the city of Troas, or Troy, the ancient city, and stood probably stood there at the Aegean Sea and said, where do I go? Unless I can walk on water, you better tell me what to do. And in the nighttime, the Holy Holy Spirit gave Paul a vision of Macedonia and a man saying, come over here. So he went, started at Philippi, went throughout that area, but he was headed toward a place he didn't know of. And that was the city of Ephesus for revival. Oh, he knew the city of Ephesus, but he didn't know that was what was going to happen. And when he got to Corinth, he ran out of money. And so at that place, he met Aquila and Priscilla, which became very important in the revival at Ephesus. What we're going to talk about today is revival is not a one-man thing or a one-person thing. One person may come, but he's got to have a team around him because the end result of revival is not just more revival. It's the setting up of churches, training people, and discipleship is what comes after because the two parts of the Great Commission are go into all the world and preach the gospel. Whoever believes will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be damned. The second part of the Great Commission found in Matthew 28 is this, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey and to commit and to, for these commandments I have given to you. And so the two parts are get them saved and the next of all, get them trained. But for the training, you must have other people raised up, pastors and, and teachers and those that train people on how to become soul winners, but also to teach them in the word of God to bring stability into their life. This is what discipleship does. So we have it here and Paul now has come to Ephesus here at the end of chapter 18 of the book of Acts, and he now has to go back, and we point this out. As he came there, he went in and he ministered there, and all of a sudden, he got something he'd never seen before. They liked him. The, the Jews liked him, and they, they, they begged him to stay longer. This never happened in his city. He was in there for a few days in most towns, and they eventually ran him out. They will here in Ephesus, but it takes a long time because there was such a hunger, and many of those Jews received Jesus as Savior and helped Paul in the ministry of the Word of God here in the town. So again, we found out last time we left, 
is that Apollos has come. Paul has now gone to Jerusalem for the uh, Feast of Pentecost. He's been there. He's gone over from there to other cities as, as he goes from place to place. And so uh, he, he's ended up now on his way back. And, it, and in the meantime, what I'm calling this part is meanwhile back at the ranch, we have Apollos has come to the city of Ephesus. He has met with Aquila and Priscilla. And he went and administered to the Jews and he got many of them saved. But we're going to find out he was limited in his ministry because he only knew up to the baptism of John the Baptist. Let's read verse 24, Matthew chapter 18, verse 24. This is kind of bringing you up to date on the past couple of days. For those of you just watching and welcome, thank you for joining us today. Acts chapter 18, verse 24, here it says, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. So what was going on back in Ephesus? While Paul is gone, the plan of God doesn't stop when the main character leaves the city. God always has a plan, never leaves a group of people hungry or people without a minister. Alexandria was a university city and Apollos was apparently a language or a speech major and he was eloquent. An unbeliever up until somebody under John the Baptist ministers found him and, and brought him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came to Alexandria, led him to Jesus. Then he began to grow in the scriptures he had known since a child from the Old Testament and became powerful in showing salvation to the Jewish people from the Old Testament right up to the ministry of John, but he never knew anything past the ministry of John. He didn't know, you know, he knew about Jesus, but didn't know that John introduced him. He didn't, all he knew was that, that John uh, baptized in water and that's as far as he, as he got. He was now called by the Holy Spirit to come to Ephesus to instruct believers and sinners in the plans of God. He not only led many to the Lord, but would also be instructed himself by Aquila and Priscilla. It's interesting here. He knew everything about the Old Testament, eloquent degrees. I mean, so many that he had probably had them hanging on the wall from the uh, colleges and universities there uh, from Alexandria. But then he met Aquila and Priscilla and, the, he, and what struck him was they know some things I don't know. Well, Aquila and Priscilla were uh, acquainted with the gospel and the work of Jesus after John the Baptist. And they knew about the things of the New Testament. What we knew was that Apollos didn't know these things, but when he met Aquila and Priscilla, they joined together as a team. I love this man. I mean, he's just a tremendous man of God for this one reason. He was eloquent, he was educated, but he was not stuck on himself as if I know everything. When he met Aquila and Priscilla, who did not have probably a college degree, did not have a, a you know a degree from a, a, a particular Bible university, when he met them, he understood they knew things he did not, and he learned from them. And so the body of Christ is teamwork. And there's gonna be an interesting verse in here we're gonna talk about where Paul talks about that, that he and Apollos were one. And he didn't mean that they just, they taught the very same message. No, they were one because they came together in unity. What one could do, the other couldn't, but what this one could do, this one couldn't. So they worked together. And this is what, again, Paul points out. This again happens here in Ephesus with Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos. Verse 25 says, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the spirit. He spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only up to the baptism of John. Since he'd been led to the Lord by the disciples of John the Baptist, he only knew the plan of God up to John's baptism. So he knew nothing beyond that of the New Testament doctrine, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
our position in Christ, the new birth, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the body of Christ, the church, the priesthood of every believer, and many other areas in this age of grace we live in that were unknown up until the day of Pentecost. And so they're going to bring him up to date, and he's going to become filled with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him to themselves and expounded to him the way of God more perfectly. Aquila and Priscilla heard Apollos speak in the temple. They were impressed, but they knew immediately he had no knowledge of the New Testament. There was salvation in the Old Testament. There was salvation at the time of John the Baptist. Salvation in the New Testament meant, but the day of Pentecost came and great treasures were poured upon the church that had been kept in hiding by God. And on that day, the new birth occurred, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the individual priesthood of every believer to where now we can go directly to the throne of grace without having to go through an earthly priest. All these things came to him. And this is the importance of learning from anyone remaining teachable in our own life and realizing I don't know everything and there's people around me that do. And so again, putting us all together, we form the team called the body of Christ. When we come back after the break, we'll continue from right here. At the dawn of the church age, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and power to his followers. From Pentecost, they were led by his spirit to blaze a trail through the hazardous maze of pagan cultures and religious legalism. Like wildfire, the gospel spread through the known world, bringing salvation to a whole generation and triumph and trial to the church. In a New Testament commentary on Acts, Bobby Anion explores the exploits of those sent to uproot the binding vines of religion and philosophy and to sow the kingdom of God. Through evaluations of early congregations and detailed descriptions of their cities, Pastor Bob walks us through the exciting, perilous adventure of the early church. Order a New Testament commentary on Acts at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership.
I hope you pick up a copy of my book on Acts. Of course, I didn't write Acts, but I wrote, you know, from my viewpoint of the book of Acts. And the things that I'm bringing out here are brought out in that book. And so it's important you not only hear it here on the broadcast, but you read it in the book, but also read in the book, hear it on the broadcast. And again, it'll fill in some gaps between the two and you'll be able to understand it even better. And so in these verses of scripture, we've been taking up the importance of teamwork appears right here. Paul was in the city of Ephesus, had to leave. Aquila and Priscilla were there, but they didn't, they were not good at bringing Jews to the Lord because they didn't, they weren't familiar on the Jewish background. But of course, that's when God sent a policy and Apollos knew these things. But what Apollos knew, Aquila and Priscilla did not know. What Aquila and Priscilla did know, Apollos didn't know. And they begin to form together and they shared from each other how important fellowship fellowship is among Christians, but especially among Christian ministers also. To be able to sit down and hear things from a viewpoint you've never heard, you may agree or disagree with, but at least you learn something, how important it is. I heard a statement one day, you know that, and they said that whenever a Muslim cuts off the head of a Christian, they don't ask them if they're a Baptist first, they don't ask them if they're a Methodist, they don't ask them if they're Catholic. They simply cut off the head because they think we're all Christians. Why can't we think the same way? Why do we make divisions between each other when if we agree on the new birth, that's the only way to heaven through Jesus Christ, we agree on walking the Christian life out in front of everyone, that's become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Past that point, we can disagree on things and we're all gonna end up in heaven where Jesus straightened all of us out. But in the meantime, we can learn from each other. And Aquila and Priscilla came from different backgrounds than did Apollos. Apollos now learns from them, they learn from him. He was educated, they were not that educated, and yet they had things to share with him that he never got back in the universities. So again, they came to each other. Look what it says in verse 26 again. He, that is Apollos, began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him to them and expounded to him the way of God more perfectly. They brought him up to date on New Testament doctrines. They found out when, again, they probably found out too, he had been uh, up to the baptism of John. And so they explained to him past that point. Again, Aquila and Priscilla heard Apollos speak in the temple, but when they heard him speak, they knew immediately he had no knowledge of the New Testament. They, I mean, he could bring them up to John the Baptist, but they knew, he knew nothing about the miracles of Jesus after that. And again, because uh, John the Baptist introduced him, but was not around much longer after that. And so having spent much time with Paul, they were very capable to lead him into the deeper truths of the dispensation of grace. That's the day we live in, the church age. This is the importance of learning from anyone. Again, what I bring out is this, always remain teachable. There's someone around you can share with you, and it doesn't have to be some educated person. Ministers, pastors, don't be afraid to hear what somebody says from the congregation. You don't have to get all of your learning from other ministers, from books and things like that. All those are very important. But to be able to hear somebody ask a question from the congregation has turned my life around. There's been times I learned things from the word of God simply because someone asked me a question. I went, huh, I never thought about it from that direction. Here they are hearing the word of God. Why can't I learn back from them? Or they be able to speak into my life. Jesus could be turned around by anybody. A woman with an issue of blood, he stopped and said, give your testimony. I mean, there were people around him. A man cried out and said, you know, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped his disciples and said, oh, leave him alone. You know, the guy's got, you know, problems in his life. And Jesus stopped for that. He didn't care. He would preach to those that had education, those who didn't have education, the rich, the poor, any nationality, that was Jesus, okay? Male, female, young, old, that was the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
In the next verse, verse 27, we have the fact here that Apollos now is going to move on. He's been there long enough to lead a lot of the Jews to Jesus. He's now learned from Aquila and Priscilla. And he goes on, and in verse 27, when he desired to cross into Achaia, the brothers wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, whom when he had come, they helped him much who had believed through grace. So he helped them, they helped him, and now the grace of God's being understood by Apollos. If you're raised around the uh, Old Testament teachings and stuff, you get a glimpse of grace, but not through, like you can through Jesus Christ, because grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The great revelation of grace has come to us in the New Testament. That was available in the Old, but I tell you, you have to wade through the law to find it because so much of the law, the purpose of the law was to teach grace and to teach about Jesus Christ. The law was never designed for salvation, but by the time Jesus came, by the time Paul has come, by the time Apollos has come, and they come to these temples and synagogues in the, in the town, they come to the synagogues in the town, they begin to run into this thing of legalism everywhere. But apparently in Ephesus, Paul was received well. And also Apollos was received well. And there was an openness in the synagogue by the Jewish ministers there in the Jewish congregation that suddenly now they're starting to receive Jesus. So here he goes again. And now he's gone to Achaia and Achaia is in Southern Greece. He went there with letters of recommendation and was able to get into the new believers that were there who had recently been saved by grace. And he took what he had learned from Aquila and Priscilla and he taught it to the saints that were there. Look with me at verse 28. And it goes on to say, for he mightily convinced the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures, that's the Old Testament scriptures, that Jesus was the Christ. Oh, the wonderful revelation he got. And suddenly, Again, Apollos, the things coming out of him to those that were in the multitudes were stronger than it even was before. The strength of Apollos was leading Jews to Jesus through the Old Testament scriptures. The teaching strength of Aquila and Priscilla was seen when they took Apollos to the next level of New Testament understanding. Paul's strength was apostolic, taking new converts into the supernatural, into revival, and then pioneering churches. Can you see how this group worked together? And all this is God just bringing you in and out, in and out, in and out, and we learn from people. Really, never take uh, you know for granted friends that you have around you, people you meet in church, people you meet at a class somewhere, to share with them, have times of sharing. I love that. Not only do we have the teaching of the word of God, but get the opportunities for people to give a testimony. How did you find Jesus? And all of a sudden things begin to open up because we not only learn from the word of God, we learn from individuals around us. And even though they have a different viewpoint on something, I think the Bible is great like that. Every scripture is like a diamond. You can turn it and see the different facets of it. And so is the Christian life. I love to listen, learn from other ministers. One of my favorite ones to learn from was T.L. Osborne, who was a revivalist and who was a, he was a evangelist. Here I was a teacher and we were talking one day. I mean, he, he brought scriptures out and I thought, I've never seen him from that viewpoint. It's so simple. He had such a simple way, but of course his simple way brought many people to the Lord Jesus Christ and we can learn from each other. I think heaven's gonna be a learning experience from now on, you know, throughout all of eternity. And so here's what Paul said about this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter three. Remember again that Paul came to Ephesus, Aquila and Priscilla were there. Then Apollos came along. Apollos was there and ministered, then Paulus left, and then Paul's going to come back here at the beginning of chapter 19. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, remember again, Paul was at Corinth before he came to Ephesus, and so Apollos was there for a while in Corinth, 
Paul was there for a while in Corinth. This is where Aquila and Priscilla were, and they met Paul. Look what he says in chapter three of 1 Corinthians, verses four through nine. While one says, I am of Paul, another says, I am from Apollos. He says, aren't you not carnal? In other words, to choose your favorites and brag on them. I don't want to hear anybody else. I want to just hear my favorite. He says, that's carnality, because why we can learn from anybody. Who then is Paul or Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. So then neither is he who plants anything, neither he who waters, but God who gives the increase. He simply said, I came to you first of all and planted. I left and then Apollos came in and Apollos watered on top of that, but God's the one that gives the increase. He goes on to say in verse eight, now he who plants and he who waters are one. He doesn't mean that we're the same person. He said of me and Apollos, we are different members of the body of Christ with different ministries, but we form one thing. And that is winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because a person can hear the gospel and say, no, someone else comes along later and waters. That person might say, yes. So one did the planting, one did the watering. In the Eventually in the end, we can't get them saved. Only God can get them saved. We can present the gospel. We can come along later and present another viewpoint on it. We can teach the scriptures. We can come with a a testimony, all the things we can do to win a soul. And it goes on to say here, but God is the one who gets the increase. Every man will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are workers together. Here's where the oneness came. When when Paul said, Apollos and I are one, here it is, for we are workers together with God. You are God's garden. You are God's building. So Jesus used this language with his disciples too, telling them they reaped after the labors of others. When uh, Jesus told his disciples in John 4 that we need to go to Samaria, after it was all said and done, he simply said to his disciples, one plants and other waters, God gets the increase. The same thing that's brought out here. And he even said to his own disciples, don't get all excited like you led them to the Lord. He said, others have gone in before you and taught and watered and done all these things and you got to see the increase, how important that is. Well, let's get back to the city of Ephesus. Acts chapter 19, verse one. Paul has been gone for probably a few months. And when he left, he told those at the synagogue, he said, if it's God's will, I will come back. Well, he does come back. It is God's will. And when Paul comes back, the first thing he's gonna run into is some converts from Apollos. And notice what it says here in verse one. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus and he found certain disciples. I want you to underline that word if you were disciples. Notice this, they weren't sinners, they were believers. You don't call sinners disciples. He found certain and there was 12 of them. So while Paul went back to Jerusalem and Antioch, three people have helped bring Ephesus to the level it will be when Paul returns. Two that Paul knew about and one he did not know. He never met while he was there, but he met him later. Apollos had been taught again by Aquila and Priscilla in the revelation of new covenant teaching and now had gone to Corinth where he will remain and pastor for a short time. The disciples that Paul met would be key to the revival in Ephesus. Paul had now been gone for a number of months and is now totally refreshed back and again, refreshed in body, refreshed in his soul. And he's now ready to give himself completely to the revival, which will occur in the key city of Asia Minor, that's Ephesus. Let me say this, this revival is gonna last for three years. Paul starts it out refreshed. 
by the time it's over, he's going to be worn out and he's going to take some vacation time later. But the, the men he meets are disciples, which means what? They are born again following God's word, and now they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This shows us revival is supernatural. Great signs and wonders are going to accompany the teaching of the word of God here in Ephesus. And look what it says in verse two. He said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? The Greek here actually says when you believe, but you know what? The word can mean since, but what he's simply saying is when you were born again, were you filled with the Holy Spirit? Or any time since then, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. We're going to answer this when we come back tomorrow. They were saved under the ministry of Apollos and only knew up to the baptism of John, never even knew about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which came after the resurrection of Jesus. This is just good stuff. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.